As I mentioned, this is week six of the Vineyard Initiative, where we are talking about the verbs, the actions of discipleship, of which there are seven. Week number one, verb number one, action number one of what it means to be a disciple is disciples receive. Your first action in your faith is to receive your relationship with God, to receive your salvation, to receive the life God offers you. Action, verb number two, is to protect what he's given. You receive salvation. You receive your identity and your purpose in Jesus Christ, and you need to protect it because the world and the enemy are out to steal it and to kill it and destroy it. Action, verb number three, is to remove any stumbling blocks. If week number two, if action number two is protecting ourselves from outside things that want to hurt us, week number three is about removing things that may have already gotten into us that could hurt us, like false beliefs, like bad behaviors, like lies that you have believed about who you are and who God is. Because if you think God is anything other than a father who loves you 24-7, and if you think anything but the fact that you are a son or daughter of the Most High King who is beloved every day no matter what, then you have maybe believed some lies. So we got to remove those through confession. Week four, action four, verb four, disciples plant. You've made room in your heart by removing these lies, then you need to immediately go and plant some truth by reading this word, believing what it says, and acting on it. And when you plant those seeds of faith, they will bloom, they will grow. And then, week five, verb five, action five of being a disciple is once you get your vineyard going, you start to build. You build a watchtower, you build your faith, you build a story so that for the rest of your life, anybody can look at you and see that you're standing on your faith, on your relationship with Jesus, and they can see from afar, that person knows the Lord. That person has something that I need. And so you can see anything and everything that might come in to get you. You can see the schemes of the enemy more clearly because you've built your faith. Today's verb. What is today's verb? Well, let's look at Isaiah 5, verses 1 through 2, which is all these verbs come from. My beloved, who is God, had a vineyard, who is us, on a rich and fertile hill, and that's the life God gives, and we are to receive it. Then he plowed the land, protected the land. He cleared its stones, or he removed his stumbling blocks, and then he planted it with the best vines. We plant God's word in our heart, and in the middle, he built a watchtower. He built his faith, and then he carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. So two questions to get the sermon rolling today. What is a wine press? How do we carve one? Well, here's a picture of a wine press. Um, this, this little, um, what's it called? Oh, it's called a slide. Here's a wine press. And you can see these shadows, these silhouettes, and they're stomping on the grapes, right? They're stomping on these grapes because the whole point of a vineyard of doing all the work we're talking about, planting the vines, watching them grow, is so that they will produce fruit. That's the whole point. If your vineyard, if your life isn't producing fruit, you have missed something. And you take all the fruit and you put it in the wine press. And then you may have seen on TV before or movies how they stomp on the grapes and have this celebratory party where they crush the fruit and then down these little, you know, things, tributaries, I don't know, rock lanes, all the juice gathers, and then boom, you have the fruit of the fruit, the blood, if you will, of the grape, the um, result of all your hard work. And then that wine is, is useful 
You can use it to provide for yourselves, to sell, to celebrate. Um, you have something, you have produced something. We plant God's word or vines. We um, tend to God's word or vines in order so that those vines would grow fruit. And then we stomp on it, <laughs> we crush it. Show me my next picture. They have this party where they just take what God has given and then they just kind of reduce it down. Like they test it and they really crush it down so that only the best of the best of the best is left. The point of the vineyard is to produce fruit. And the point of producing fruit is that you are to use it. We are to use what we've been given. We pick the fruit. We put the fruit in the wine press. We crush the fruit. And then the juice flows into these pits. The juice is then put into barrels. And after a time, you have wine. And that's, whether you know it or not, a picture of the whole point of this thing called Christianity. Um, God promises. He promises that whenever we take his word, whenever we plant his word in our hearts, whenever we let the truth that God has spoken to us grow inside of us, then by faith, God's word will produce fruit. By faith, God's word will produce gifts in us. By faith, God's word planted in our hearts by faith will produce blessings in our lives and around our lives. Here's some, just a few examples of the kind of blessings that you can expect that I have seen you experience in this room because you have received what God has said and it has borne fruit. Um, an example of fruit, gifts, or blessings in our lives are a realization that I need a Savior, a, an acceptance that, that there's an enemy out to kill me and destroy me, and I need someone to rescue me, and it sure as heck ain't me. It, it sure as heck isn't social media or, or, or just medicine. It, it is Jesus Christ. That's a gift to understand that. That's a gift to know that. Another example of fruit or a blessing that comes from planting God's Word is um, freedom from sin. When we confess our sin to one another, he is faithful and just to heal us and to cleanse us, to set us free from sin. If you've ever confessed sin and felt that enjoyment, that, that relief afterward, you've experienced a blessing from the Lord. Another blessing is that he gives us a new identity. We trade in our identity as, as, as loser, as worthless, as, as screw-up for um, son or daughter of the living king, more than a conqueror, um, prince, princess. We receive a new identity, and that is certainly a gift. We literally receive spiritual gifts, um, supernatural gifts, like the gift of, of like just supernatural prayer. Like when you pray, stuff happens. The gift of, of speaking, as I do up here every Sunday, the gift of just really being able to acknowledge and identify that person's hurting and they just need some love. Like that's a gift that God gives. Um, just answers, any answer to prayer. Just the fact that he listens to us is a gift from the Lord. And anytime any of those things happen, we receive the gift of a testimony, the gift of a story. I was lost and now I'm found. I, I prayed and something happened. Um, I struggled with this and now I'm like preaching to others about how I escaped that. Now, why does God give us these gifts? Why does he do it? Um, what are we supposed to do with our gifts? What are we supposed to do with our talents? Why did he make some of us good at this, that, and the other? I'm going to answer the question by telling you a story. 
Many of you may recall that um, the first week of this series, when we were talking about receive, I shared an illustration of Superman. Well, let me read you a little something I found online about Superman. As the most recognizable superhero on the planet, everyone knows that the man with the S on his chest stands for truth and justice and hope. But what most people don't know is who created Superman and why. At the height of World War II, after years of brutal oppression and mass genocide in Nazi Germany, two Jewish teenagers from Cleveland, Ohio, named Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, decided to do something about the overwhelming evil that they were seeing in their world. And using their creative gifts and talents, these two teenagers began drawing pictures and writing stories. And Superman, soon after, was born. Because every superhero needs a great origin story, Jerry and Joe based their creation on the greatest story ever told. Superman, like the American Jew of the 1940s, arrived to the U.S. from a foreign land. His entire family, in fact, his whole race, had been wiped out in a Holocaust-like disaster back on his home planet. And just like the baby Moses, and just like the thousands of German Jewish parents who were being forced to send their children away from Nazi Germany on kinder transports, Superman's parents had been forced to sacrifice their relationship with their son for the sake of the greater good. In creating the idea of Superman, Jerry and Joe decided that the source of Superman's powers should be the light of the sun because they knew that the sun is our constant source of hope, a constant reminder that we have to look up to. They also decided that the main power to give Superman would be superhuman strength because they knew that the evil in our world can sometimes seem impossible to overcome. They decided to give Superman the power of flight because they knew that the depression of war, the, the depression of high school and middle school, can sometimes seem impossible to rise above. And they decided to have Superman embody the Old Testament commands of doing good, loving others, and healing the world wherever you can, because they knew that God's ways work. And finally, they named Superman Kalel, which in Hebrew means voice of God, because Jerry and Joe knew that it was time for some light to be spoken into the darkness in a creative way. And within months of Superman's creation, the United States would enter World War II, and Superman would begin appearing in comic books and newspapers all over the world, inspiring millions as an unstoppable force for good. He overpowered indestructible Nazi armor. He overcame elusive Japanese submarines. And on the cover of a 1944 issue of Superman, the Man of Steel would overthrow Hitler himself. Two teenagers, just 
like you, who loved God, who had planted God's word in their hearts, and who decided to use their powers, their gifts, their talents for good. And they would go on to encourage generations, plural. And there is no reason, students, that you can't do the exact same thing in this generation with your gifts and your talents. Here's how they got started. Very simple. They read the Bible. They believed the Bible. They acted on it. Let's look at Luke chapter 12, verse 48. Great gifts mean great responsibilities. Greater gifts mean greater responsibilities. Joe and Jerry, these two teenagers, just like you, recognized we have gifts. And they recognized we have a responsibility to God himself to use them. And so they used them. They did something with their gifts and talents. You can do the same thing. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well for what? To serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak. Speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then help others with all the strength and energy that God supplies. These two guys, just like you and me, recognized we've got gifts. They recognized our responsibility is to help others. We've got a responsibility to God. We've also got a responsibility to each other. And they did something about it. They just, they just did something. About, they drew cartoons with their gifts and talents, and God used it to change the world. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Let me tell you why you're here. I love that. You know what that said? Let me tell you why every single one of you exist. You're here. You exist to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be, to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, which God has already done for each of you, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? No. I'm putting you on a light stand, and now that I put you there, shine. Like, be the awesome man, awesome woman of God I created you to be, and just shine. Just be yourself. Just be awesome. Just use your gifts and talents to point to me. Joe and Jerry recognized we've got gifts. We've got a responsibility to God. We've got a responsibility to our neighbor, and we have a responsibility to the world to use them to shine, to do something with what we've been given and make a difference. I want you to reach under your tears or on them and grab your prayer tags and a pen. And on the first side, we're going to go ahead and write a couple things down. I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to picture the Lord, however you like to picture him. I like to picture Jesus in like a robe and he's real big and he's friendly. And I want you to just picture yourself standing in front of him and I want you to just think, like, how have you gifted me? What have you given me that I can use to glorify you? What's a gift that you've given me that I can use to glorify you? And I want you to just consider, like, what am I good at? What do I love to do? Because those are gifts. Are you good at sports? Boom, there's a gift. Do you love helping people? Boom, there's a gift. 
Do you have a desire to stand up in front of millions and like tell them about the Lord? Boom, gift. Do you love to pray? Boom, gift. Do you love to worship? Boom, gift. Whatever yours is, would you just write it out? I believe I have the gift of X, X, X. And as I continue talking through the sermon, if you feel like you got another one, man, just add to the list. It doesn't have to be short, although it can be. And then underneath there, would you just write a quick prayer, a, a quick statement? Would you just say, like, I acknowledge, I accept my responsibility to use my gifts for you? Would you, would you just declare on paper and just imagine as you're writing, you're writing it like on your own heart. You're writing it on the floor of the throne room of heaven. I accept my responsibility to shine for Jesus. Would you just write something like that by faith? And if you feel like a more specific responsibility comes as I continue, just write it down. All right. So we've acknowledged that we have gifts. And if you don't know what yours is, man, this sermon right now, God, what's my gift? He'll tell you. We've acknowledged we have gifts. We've acknowledged we have a responsibility to God, our neighbor, the whole world. There's only one thing left to do. We need to start using our gifts. We need to start testing our gifts. You can embody the best of both worlds. The dream your mother and I dedicated our lives to preserve. People of Earth are different from us, it's true. But ultimately, I believe that's a good thing. They won't necessarily make the same mistakes we did. Not if you guide them, Carl. Not if you give them hope. That's what this symbol means. The symbol of the House of El means hope. Embodied within that hope is the fundamental belief in the potential of every person to be a force for good. That's what you can bring them. Why am I so different from them? Earth's sun is younger and brighter than Krypton's was. Your cells have drunk in its radiation, strengthening your muscles, your skin, your senses. Earth's gravity is weaker, yet its atmosphere is more nourishing. You've grown stronger here than I ever could have imagined. The only way to know how strong is to keep testing your limits.
will give the people of Earth an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you when the sun comes. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. They did such a good job on that Superman. I could show a lot of clips from that. You guys, seriously, you want me to put on some tights and fly around? No. I want you to do greater things than that. I want you to imagine yourself more powerful than that. I want you to own and believe and receive this word and plant it in you that God himself said of us, the future generation, by acknowledging what the past generation did. Hebrews 11 it was by faith that God's people overthrow kingdoms. We rule with justice, receive what God has promised. We shut the mouths of lions. We are to be a people who can quench flames of fire, who escape death by the edge of the sword. Our weakness can be turned into strength. We are to become strong in battle. We have it in us by faith to put whole armies to flight. Faith, you guys, is our superpower. It enables us to do the miraculous, the impossible, greater things than flying and just being strong. What are we supposed to do with our faith to develop it? Like, is it just going to come like that? Yeah, sometimes. But as you noticed, even Superman took a spill and, and, and got hurt a little bit. So how do we get to the place where we can put those armies to flight. We can just walk up and shut that lion's mouth. Well, 2 Corinthians 13 says, examine yourselves. Examine yourselves to see if your faith, your belief in Jesus Christ, your confidence that he's with you and for you and has your back, examine it to see if it's genuine, if it's strong, if it's solid. Test yourselves. Surely, by now, students, you know that Jesus Christ is among us. And if not, well, then you've failed the test of genuine, supernatural, world-changing faith. Do you have faith in God today? Do you believe him? Do you believe in him? Have you ever experienced him do anything in your life or around your life that you're like, that's totally legit, that's real, that happened? Let me ask you another way to see. Maybe you have faith and you don't realize it. Have you ever been convicted in your heart of something I have said, of something this book says, of something your small group leader says? Um, if you just believe that Jesus Christ was real, that he died on the cross and he rose again on the third day, you have faith. You already have faith that has the potential to move mountains. If you realize that your sin hurts you, even though you think it feels good. If you realize that you have a behavior in life that's hurting you, that's causing you fear and shame, if you realize that in faith, then boom, you've got faith. If you recognize that there's somebody in your life that you need to forgive, 
that you need to go to and say, you hurt me, but I love you and I forgive you. That's supernatural. If you realize that, if you have ever realized that, especially this semester as we've been hitting on forgiveness, that you've got faith. And especially if you've acted on it, especially if you've prayed about it, especially if you've gone to that person, and you might be thinking of them right now and just said, I love you. I visited my father in the hospital two days ago. I have not seen him in months. And I couldn't think of anything to say to him except, I love you. I forgive you. I miss you. The end. He has no right for me to say that to him after the daddy's been. But I couldn't leave the room without just telling him, I love you and I forgive you. That's faith. You have that kind of faith. If you know, if you have ever known in your life, and particularly in this room, I need to read the Bible. I need this. That, that's faith. That's faith. Use it. Do something with it. Pick up this book. If you've ever experienced something supernatural, um, even if you've experienced something demonic, right? If you've seen some freaky stuff, you know, okay, well, if that's real, then he must be real too. But more than that, if you've seen an answer to prayer, if you have been convicted of sin and done something about it the next day where you're like, this has no power over me, you have faith. Um, test your faith if you've seen those things. Test your belief to strengthen those things. Do you need a Savior? Have you ever acknowledged that? Well, the way you test that is you get baptized. If you believe in Jesus Christ and you've never publicly declared your faith, that's the test. That's how you grow. That's how you get strong in your faith. If you've ever realized that bad behavior is hurting you, the test of your faith is you stop the bad behavior. You walk away from the thing that you believe by faith is hurting your relationship with God, that you believe by faith is hurting your impression of your own self. That's the test. That's how you examine yourself. If you've ever recognized, I have someone to forgive, you go and you forgive them. Pray for it, write them a letter, or go have a conversation. That's how you grow in faith. If you feel convicted that you need to read the Bible, the test is read your Bible. You just decide, mornings are my best time. Uh, evenings are when I feel the most alive. Um, right before bed, I want to go to sleep thinking of the word. Pick it up and read it. That's the test. That's how you grow. That's how you get strong in your faith. If you've ever experienced something supernatural, why would you hide it? Talk about it. I guarantee there's no better or more interesting conversation going around you that day than to say, I witnessed this person getting healed. I, I, I saw this thing we prayed for last week together in, in student ministry, and it happened. Tell your story. Um, if you've witnessed any answer to prayer, the test is this. Be somebody who starts praying all the time. Be somebody like the Bible calls you to be and pray about everything. Now, you might say, okay, yeah, I've tried those things. I've tried reading my Bible. I tried to forgive him. I tried to step away from my porn addiction, but I always fail. I, it always seems like I fall away. And I know that's some of you in this room. I know that's been me. You want to you know what God is saying to you today? Saying to people who fail like us? Here's what he's saying. 2 Corinthians 4, we never give up which implies there was a failure, which implies you got knocked down. And God says we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every single day for our present trouble. 
picture now, what is your present trouble? What is bothering you? What's hurting you? Where are you feeling less than? Our present troubles are small, and they're not going to last very long. Yet, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. And so, we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that can't be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see, the things that we believe by faith exist, like heaven, like forgiveness, like grace, like power, those things last forever. We need to change the way that we think about our own failures. Because God says, that's fine if you fail. That's fine if you ran into that wall. Just get back up. Just ask me to help you. Just try again. Just because you said you're going to read the Bible and then you didn't doesn't mean you should never try again. Try again. Get back up. Give it another shot. Refocus on the good and ask God for help. Now, you might say, yeah, I've tried that too. But my life is hard, Pastor Judd. You don't understand the obstacles that I have. You don't understand I've got too many problems. My temptation is too great. Do you want to know what God says to people like that, like me and you, when that's how we feel? James 1, 2 through 4, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested. If something's happening in your life, whether it's your own opinion of yourself, somebody's challenging your belief in God, um, you are presented with the temptation to do the thing you know you shouldn't, God says right here, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, You'll be perfect, you'll be complete, and you will need nothing. We need to change the way that we think about our problems and our pain. Because our pain and problems are not obstacles, they're not roadblocks to be avoided. Our pain and our problems are opportunities to trust God, to grow in God, and to see God move by faith. And to those things, disciples, with a genuine faith, say, bring it on. Let it grow, is God saying to us. Man, your attitude with your problems when I've got your back is bring it on. Let's see what you've got because I've got Jesus. I've got supernatural power. I can shut the mouths of lions. I can quench flames of fire. And you will begin to grow and you will see those things come to pass. But you gotta start somewhere. We gotta start with when you say something, you do something. you got to start with, if God's given you a gift, students, use it for his glory. I have a whole other section to encourage us in this exact vein, but we are going to save it for next week, and we're going to respond to what we've heard today. I'm going to invite the band to make their way to the stage, and here's how we're going to close. I want you to take those prayer tags that you were writing on before, and I want you to just look at what you wrote. What gifts did you acknowledge? What talents do you have they could include having some money in your pocket. They could include health because that's a gift from God. They can include 
Um, you got a car, like anything and everything that you have in your life that could be used to further the kingdom, to make God known, to bless other people is a gift. And I want you to just think about those things for just a second. And on the other side of that prayer tag, I want you to ask God, is there any, any gift, any talent, is there a spiritual gift that you would see unlocked in me, that you would see me discover this week? You guys, it says he has gifts from a great variety of spiritual gifts. There are gifts that are represented in the Bible that I've never seen with my eyes that very well could be in one of you, many of you. Let's be a people who by faith pray this morning, would you unlock my gifts? Would you unlock my talents for the, for the good of your kingdom, for the good of my understanding of who you really are, who you really created me to be? Would you just write a prayer like that real fast? And then I got one more thing to add. If you're still writing, go ahead and continue. But our last prayer today, just by faith, you don't have to understand. You don't have to feel good enough or strong enough to see this accomplished. You just need to set your eyes on Jesus and trust that he loves prayers like this, that he responds to prayers like this. Would you just ask God right now today, would you help me use my gifts, my talents, my health, the things you've given me, would you help me use those things to shine this week, to shine in my friendship with so-and-so, to shine in my house where things feel a little crazy, to shine at school, to shine at the mall? Would you just shine through me by enabling me, empowering me to put some feet on my faith, to use what I've given, been given in a way that I don't care who, who sees. I don't care who knows that person's doing that because they love the Lord. Would you just encourage me to use my gifts for you? Because you're the giver of every good gift. And I love you. And I'm grateful. I'm going to pray for us. And if you're still writing, continue. If you want to add to it, continue. But I would love to see you guys respond to what we've talked about, what has been presented before you today. I encourage you, as I do every week, you take those prayer tip requests and you Bring them up and you drop them off as your offering and trust that God heard that prayer, was with you when he wrote it, and he's going to respond. And we would love the privilege of praying those things well as well this week. A great way to use your gifts is to give back, to bring the tithe, to bring the offering. If you guys have jobs, I don't care if it's mowing the yard, if you guys have an allowance, I don't care if it's five bucks a week, let God know that you trust him, that you depend on him more than money, and drop that off in the offering box as well. Take communion today by faith, trusting. This little cracker, this little cup of juice, this represents the broken body and spilled blood of Jesus Christ who did that for me. And take communion with a heart that says, man, thank you. I have no one in my life that has given their life for me. Thank you for that. I receive that. I need that. I still need that. Let's worship today. Let's by faith sing and declare his praises. Can't see him right now, but he could show up. But with my eyes, I do not see Jesus standing here, although he could totally, like, did I mess up your hair? Let's sing like he's in the room. 
Let's sing like he's in us. And let's sing like, man, I have so much to be grateful for, thankful for. I got things to use and to do for the kingdom. And I'm going to sing because I need you to back me up. And he will because of your faith. Jesus, thank you so much for today. And thank you for giving us the gift of faith. Thank you for giving us the gift of stories, of the gift of prayer. Thank you for giving us the ability to understand what we're hearing today. Thank you for the ability to sing. Thank you for taste buds. Thank you for nature. Thank you that it's going to rain today. And that rain, for all its goodness and all its purpose, is just a symbol. It's just a representation of how you pour out love on us. How you provide all day, every day for us. And we pray, would you pour out love on us this week? Would you pour out inspiration on us this week. Who's the next Jerry? Who's the next Joe in this room? They're going to use their gifts to change the world. It could be all of us. May we just trust you. May we just ask, use me. Help me use what I've been given. I want to be a part of this. Help me. In Jesus' name we pray.